Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph concludes his message entitled, The Hospital Church. We're still in Ephesians chapter 4, and now with part 2, here's Pastor Ralph. Talking about signs of a healthy church. As we're going through Ephesians here, that we ought to just look at some of the signs of a healthy church. And and I like to always uh, consider a church in light of this. I, you know, the, the the Bible talks in terms of the church, and it it describes it in in terms of just different metaphors. One of the metaphors is the body of Christ. It's going to say that in the text tonight. Another is that we're that the church is like a, a house or a building built of living stones that God has put together for His purposes. And I like to think in terms of more modern metaphors. Sometimes, you know, in some ways, I can talk to you about why I think a church is somewhat like a restaurant. But I also think a church, if it's a really healthy church, and this is kind of my favorite, is is a church is a lot like a hospital where people come in kind of spiritually sick and they get well. But it's a hospital that has this one little special thing about it, and that is that the people who come there uh, spiritually ill before they're done, if they grow to maturity and they grow to health, end up as part of the healing team. And, and so that you come in as a patient, you end up as a doctor or a nurse or administrator, and you end up serving the Lord and serving other people in the process. And so this church that's a healthy church is one that's well-doctored. And we're going back over some verses that we've looked at before. Carl preached on this three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I preached on it. Last time I preached, Psalm was here last week. And I'm preaching on it again. I told you, I want to keep hammering the nail. I want us to get this. If we don't get this, the whole rest of it doesn't really work in terms of our coming together as, as a family, as the family of God. There's a staff of people that are equipping and that are training and are giving advice and, and, and helping you with spiritual nutrition and getting you to the place where that you need to be. But this is also a place, a healthy church, or the sick are learning healing skills. It says here, uh, verse 12, reading it again, that the responsibility of the leaders is to equip God's people so that they will do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. If, if we're doing this well, then all of you are involved in the process of doing the Lord's work and building up the body of Christ. What, what does that mean? Well, doing the Lord's work is, what is it that is your assignment? As, as you are a part of this family. And so there's this, there's this business of, of I'm getting my needs met, but I'm also throughputting. I'm taking something in and I'm putting it out on the other end. And I'm finding a place where I, I'm learning healing skills. I'm learning to be a part of the team. Look at uh, verse 13. It talks about us coming to unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son so that we can be mature and full grown in the Lord measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Unity in faith, unity in knowledge. We'll no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and make the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. Now, 
That, that's a mouthful. There's, there, we could, I could talk, I mean, believe me, I could talk for an hour and a half about what we just read. Uh, but, but the first thing is that there's, there's a unity that's important, that we come to a unity in our faith and our knowledge of the Lord. Unity doesn't mean we all believe exactly the same thing together at all the same time. Unity means we choose to love each other because of our faith in Jesus and that we know how to disagree and do it agreeably. Does that make sense? You know, if I, if, if I got any three of you in the room and, and posed some theological question, I'd get three different answers. N nobody's going to give perfect overlay. You're all going to see it just a little bit different. It's just true. And we'll all say, but I have the truth. I have the scripture. Yes, you do. But the problem, the flaw is you. Because it's you and your interpretation of it. You bring all of your history, all of your experience, all of your fears, all of your hopes, all of your dreams. And you, and you, you read that in. And, and yet, we're about 98% overlap here. We all basically believe the same things. It's just that we'll see it a little different, a little different, a little different. And so, are, are, are we going to... Uh, agree to fight about it or are we going to agree to agree about it see and so you come to this place of of unity and and then it says that that as we as we do this that we will no longer be like children who are kind of knocked around and and not really sure of what we believe forever changing our minds you know one of the things that i know about sick churches sick christians is they're into fads and they're looking down the road always for whatever new thing is coming to town, you know. And so there's this sense of I'm 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 understanding the truth. I'm I'm not understanding it as some gimmicky thing that I get into for the sake of arguing about or chasing down gimmicks. I understand it as a formula for living. You know, all of a sudden what I have in the scripture it isn't some Ooh, pie in the sky thing. It's, it gets down to this is how I live my life. God's given me some guidelines here. He's made some promises to me that he promises to answer my prayers about this or that or the other thing. And so I'm going to live my life this way. And so in the healthy church, like the hospital, we're learning this, these, are, these are guidelines for healthy living. This is going to make your life count for something and good things are going to happen as a result. Are you with me? Well, let's go a little bit further. There's a couple of scriptures. You can look them up later. Uh, I want one last thing here. It's, it's, it says that, that this church would be healthy, growing, and full of love. Uh, verse 16, it says, Under his direction, Christ's direction, the whole body is fitted perfectly together. That means all the parts work. You know, church like a hospital. Everything fits together perfectly. And it says here that a healthy church is going to be like that, where the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Now, I want you to look at the verb fitted. That's an interesting way of saying it, fitted. And here's the question that I have for you is, are you fitted together with the rest of this church? Have you found the place where you fit in? Have you found a place to serve? Really, a healthy church is a church that's got 90 plus percent of the people attending involved serving. 
You get below 90%, you're starting to get sick. Why do I say 90%? Well, because there's about 5% of people are always new and in fluctuation or, or are in their process of moving out and they've abandoned whatever they're doing because they they're going to move to another town or whatever. And there's going to be about 5% that are just going to sit there and be obstinate and do nothing in a healthy church. But you start dropping from that and it, and it starts to be an unhealthy church. It starts to be back to the athletic illustration, a spectator deal. Let the coaches play while the team sits in the bleachers. Am I making sense? So there needs to be, I believe, a fitting together that you do, that I can't do for you. It says, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. Now watch this. Here's the hospital. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We all come together. We all grow. We all mature. We all begin to carry our freight and do our part in helping others. And the body becomes healthy and mature and, and full of life and growth. A healthy church is a growing church. A healthy church is a growing church. And we need to be thinking about that. Everybody kind of soldiers together, does what they're supposed to do. But what if I put this picture over here instead and say that this looks like a healthy church? Here's God right here in the middle. Over here someplace is the senior pastor who make him have legs. And these guys here, you can't see because the colors didn't show. These guys are marked out as the pastoral team. And they're sort of interspersed throughout this relationship called a church. And then you see people, and they're gathered in little clusters. And some of them aren't in clusters at all. They're by themselves. And... And some clusters are small and some are large and some of them are inside the circle of the church and some of them are outside of it and they're significant. And when I see a structure like this, I look at a church and I think of words like fluid, flexible, what else? Unorganized. Hmm? Alive. Alive. Growing. Growing. Permissive. <laughs> Creative. How about if we put this word here? The other church would be a no church. When I first became a pastor... Something terrible happened. There's a man that I met. I have two stories I'll tell you about him. His name was Bob Green. He was Bob Green Sr. His son, Bob Green Jr., had found the Lord. And Bob Jr. quit drinking. He was a real heavy drinker at age 24. And he brought his dad to the Lord. His dad 
was the one who taught him to drink. His dad was, a, was an alcoholic who had sclerosis of the liver. And Bob Jr. was saved and God powerfully transformed his life. Bob Sr. was saved and God powerfully transformed his life and healed him. Bob Sr. went to a church like this around the corner from us, a church that I would call a no church. If I call this a yes church, I'd call this a no church. And he wanted to serve the Lord because he felt so thankful for what God did in his life. And, and, and so on a, on a day off, he, he went over there and he started pulling weeds in the churchyard. And uh, someone came out of the office, one of the secretaries, and scolded him and asked him whose permission he had to pull weeds in the churchyard. And he said he didn't have anybody's permission. He just wanted to serve the Lord, and that's why he came over there to pull weeds. And, and, and the lady said, well, you are going to have to get permission from the grounds committee if you're going to do this anymore. And she drove him off. Now, Bob Jr. was coming to our church, and so Bob Sr. joined him in our church. And, and, and we were, in those days, what I'd call a yes church. And um, the guy thrived, and he grew, and good things were happening. And, and then he, he almost got in a fight at church one, on a Friday night. This guy was a guy in his, in his late 40s, maybe early 50s. There's another guy in our church who was uh, by his same age, and this other guy had had a, a, a tough life. He'd, he'd grown up in Brooklyn. He lived in a Catholic neighborhood. Uh, he was Italian, I mean Italian, Italian. And everybody in his neighborhood were, were Catholics. He was a Protestant. And there was always this conflict that was going on. And he'd get beat up on his way home from church, from school every night. It's tough, tough stuff. And he was a tough guy too. So you've got two tough old men in this church of mostly 25-year-olds. And uh, the other guy, his name was John. And John was a guy, this was a church, this is like in the 1970s where everybody in America wore suits and ties to go to church. And uh, women, if they, the big question in church in those days was, is it okay for a woman to wear a pantsuit to church? Now that, you're not even registering, but that they actually, the churches would sit around, fume and fuss about that. Women are supposed to wear skirts and dresses, and but they're wearing pantsuits in the marketplace, and, and is it okay to wear it to church? And that was the big theological thing, you know, and, and in, in the midst of all of that, along we come, and our church in 1971 looked a lot like our church looks tonight. People come in shorts. However, you come from dress from work, you come dressed up, you come from the beach, you come looking like that. And it doesn't really matter. And Except for this guy, John, would always come in a sparkling white shirt, in his suit coat and his tie and the whole thing. And that was fine. We tolerated him. <laughs> and we loved him in spite of his rigid ways. Uh, this is a man who drove a five or six year old Cadillac. He was a salesman of some kind. He actually showed me one time he waxed the inside of the engine compartment. That car, I mean, I'm not joking when I said he waxed the inside of the engine compartment. It was beautiful. 
But he was very rigid and he expected everybody else to be exactly like he was. A little kid comes to church like a seventh grader. And he's wearing a t-shirt from a beer company. Well, Mr. Suit and Tie grabs this kid, literally grabs him, like this. And tells him, don't you know that this is the house of the Lord? And that you're dishonoring God by wearing a beer t-shirt into the house of the Lord? Now, if there's any of you tonight, <laughs> and he grabs him and he says, you get out of here now, and don't you come back until you have a shirt that shows respect for the Lord. He chased him off. Well, Bob Green, senior, retired alcoholic, overhears what's going on and sees a little kid going out the door. Well, he went up and got a hold of John by the tie <laughs> and said, if you don't go out, get that boy, apologize to him, and bring him back to church, I'm going to break your nose. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that goes on in a yes church. <laughs> now, I'm not espousing violence. I'm telling a story to make a point, so don't write me a bunch of letters and emails telling me I did a dog thing here. But I want church, I want our church to move away from this because we didn't used to be like this and I think we've gotten a lot more like this in our old age. And I want us to move back this way. I want us to be a group of people that are fluid, that are flexible, that are messy, that are permissive in the positive sense of the word permissive, not in the negative sense. But in, in the sense that, that if, if God puts something in your heart to do, that you do not go ask somebody for permission to do it. You don't go to a pastor and say, is it all right if I do this? If you want to go to a pastor and ask them something, go say, I need some money to get this done. How do I get the money? Or I need some help. How do I get the help? Or I need some avenue of communication. How can you help me to arrange the communication? Don't come and ask permission. Because permission is already yours. Fit yourself into this church family. And the Lord is all the permission that you need. You come do the thing that God has put in your heart to do. And don't be a person who's expecting us to be no people. Uh, be a person that's expecting it to be a yes church. Look at this thing and, and notice I intentionally drew a whole bunch of this outside the lines. And some of it on the line. Understand that the job isn't to get the world into the church. It's to get the church into the world. That whole lot of what we're going to do in the Lord's name we're going to do outside someplace. And if you need help, if you need resources, come and ask. And we'll resource you the best way we can. We want to be a yes church. We want to be a permission church. We want to be a flexible church. We want to kill the hierarchy. We want stuff, that whole J group thing that's on the board back there. We intentionally did that without any structure at all so that we could just 
recognize the things that God is doing, that, that he's doing in people's lives and, and honor you for doing it and then connect you. That's, that, that's meant to be a connection system that you can go up there and go, I need what these people have. Here's a phone number. I'll call them. And, and so we want to get away from this rigidity and this hierarchy. We want to bust things open. We want fresh air. We want the Holy Spirit to do something new and fresh in us. Is that making sense? We want to be a healthy church. We want to be a healthy church. Well, let's pray and we'll get out of here. Lord, we come to you tonight and we thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your scriptures. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the way that you have designed church all the way through the Bible. We read about it. It's fluid. It's flexible. It's something that can work in, under a repressive regime where it's illegal. And it's something that can work in the midst of a democracy where it's legal and sanctioned and, and honored. Lord, it can work anywhere, any way. It can, a church can be two people getting together in your name, or it can be 10,000. It doesn't matter. Lord, help us to, to get away from our hierarchy, get away from our structure, get away from our always leaning on rigid things and, and learn to be relational all over again. Lord, help us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name. I keep your eyes closed for just a moment or two longer. And I, I just want to uh, take a moment and, and offer a prayer that says basically this. God, I recognize that I need you. And there are things in my life that need changing. And I give you permission to come into my heart and change me as you will. I want to walk with you. I want you to be the leader of my life. I realized that when Jesus died on that cross, he died so I could have access to God. I want that. I'll pray a prayer like that. I invite you to join me and pray those words. Pray them under your breath. Pray them silently. But God will hear you. He'll, he'll read your heart. He'll read your mind. But if you're going to pray with me, I want you... You saw a bunch of people get baptized tonight. They really came out of the closet as Christians. But I want you to take a step in that direction, even as we pray. I want you to tell me if we're going to pray together that you intend to pray with me. So I'm going to start praying in about 30 seconds between now and then. If you want to pray with me, I want you to signal me that you're going to join me by just looking at me. Everybody else got their eyes closed. If you want to pray with me, look up right now. We'll go from there. See one person? Who else? And you back there? And you? Good. Who else? You want to invite the Lord into your life? And you? Good. Who else? Okay. Good. Okay, I saw you. And you? Okay, let's pray together. God, I'm just coming to you the way I am. All of my needs, all of my hurts, all my joys, all my hopes, everything. And, and I'm, I'm simply inviting you into my life. Come and be the leader. I'll be, the, I'll be your follower. Lord, come and, and, and begin to work some miracles in my life. There's plenty I need. You know that. And God, I, I, I want to do this not as a person who's calling on you as some kind of a, of, of, of a bellboy in the sky, but Lord, somebody that's partnering with you as your friend, somebody that wants to walk with you and, and get close to you. And, and so I'm just asking that you'd come and get close to me and that that uh, you'd fill my heart tonight with your spirit, that I'd, 
I'd sense your presence in my heart as I walk out of this place. It wouldn't just be another night. It wouldn't be a some kind of a pledge I've made or something. It would be uh, you and I doing business together and, and coming into relationship with one another. Lord, I invite you to come and be the Lord and the leader of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.